Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Healthy Matters. If you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. Dr. Hilden is your host, as we've heard, and he is an internal medicine physician at Hennepin Healthcare. Good morning. Good morning, Denny. Got your shovel ready? I do have my shovel. I've been, uh, our snowblower ran out of gas, and I have a little bitty, I don't have a lot to snowblow, but it ran out of gas, so I went and got more. I think we're going to need it again. We Breaking will. my heart. We've got more snow coming tonight, huh? Speaking of hearts. Oh, what a segue. We're going to talk about hearts today. I didn't I even think of that. I, that was too easy to... <laughs> that was too easy. I let one right up over the plate for you there. <laughs> exactly. Well, we have a, a, a friend of ours, a, a colleague of yours, and a repeat guest here on the show. We do indeed. I was asking him, um, his name is Dr. Gautam Shroff. Um, I was asking him when the last time he was on the show was. I think it was in late 2017. I suppose we could go look in the archives, but uh, Dr. Shroff has been on the show before. He is a cardiologist. Um, I'm going to let him tell you a little bit more about his road to Hennepin, but he's been with us for many years now. We trained at roughly the same time um, in the last decade, and he is the newly named interim division director of the Division of Cardiology at um, Hennepin Healthcare. But beyond that, he's been leading our cardiovascular service line for some years. So, Gautam, first of all, thanks for being back. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be back again. It's great to have you on the show. We're going to talk today about cardiovascular disease um, and so, but for listeners, we're going to make it a little bit more specific yet. Dr. Shroff, um, as well as many of his colleagues at Hennepin, have an expertise in what I will call the intersection of heart disease and kidney disease. And you might think of, well, why those two organs? That's kind of random. It's not random. They're very interrelated. And people um, with kidney disease um, get heart disease and vice versa. So we're going to talk about that in particular, we're going to talk about cardiovascular disease that you might think of, which is coronary disease. But we're also going to talk about chronic kidney disease. And then we're going, to, we're going to end the show in the second half a little bit about atrial fibrillation as it relates to those things. So we have a lot to cover. First of all, congratulations on your new um, title. You're running the Division of Cardiology now. Thank you, David. And, uh, you, run, and you run the cardiovascular service line. So you've got a lot going on. Um, it is it is a fun place to work uh, at at Hennepin County Medical Center and Hennepin Healthcare, and I'm I'm really honored and privileged to have this opportunity to be in this leadership position. So you came to us. Um, you did your training at Hennepin, and then um, where did you do your your cardiology training? I trained uh, uh, in Mumbai, is where I grew up, and I did my uh, internal medicine training in Mumbai. I I uh, decided to come to the United States and uh, trained uh, at HCMC for my internal medicine residency. And then I went to the University of Minnesota for my fellowship um, and decided to come back to uh, Hennepin uh, Healthcare to, to work uh, in a faculty position. And you've been there for, what, when did you start on faculty? It was 10 years ago? 2009. Correct. Yeah, so just about <clears throat> 10 years about ago. 10 years. Do you ever get back to Mumbai? Not as often as I would like. Uh, I know this isn't a topic about that, but that's interesting. You, that's your hometown. It is my hometown. Uh, the weather, I can tell you, is very different compared to Minneapolis. It's not like this? <laughs> it's a little bit It's different. not like God's country here with this beautiful <laughs> weather that we have? 
I hadn't seen so much snow or, in fact, any snow at all until I came down to Minneapolis in 2003. And what do you think? It's great, huh? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's <laughs> I'm trying to get an definitely Indian guy a change from in Mumbai. scenery. <laughs> it is a change in scenery. A little smaller here, I would imagine. Mumbai is a big town, isn't it? Mumbai is a huge town, and it's a, it's a very busy town. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, it, it, this is a special place, and I really enjoyed being in Minneapolis for so long. Well, well I'm going to tell listeners because he won't, but I want to tell you that um, Dr. Shroff is um, not only a great guy, as you're going to find out if you listen to the show today. He's also a very smart cardiologist, but you maybe already could um, imagine that that's the case. He's also an, an investigator and a researcher and an educator. And in preparation for the show, I just wanted to kind of get a feel for, well, what's Gautam been up to lately? Well, I'm, I'm holding in front of me not one, not two, but three um, journal articles in the medical literature, all with his name on them as an author. So he is a, he is a widely published medical researcher as well. So when, you, when we're talking to um, him today, he's not just going to be a good cardiologist for you sitting in the room. He's also literally one of the people who is writing the medical research about a lot of these topics. So um, we have a lot to get to today. We're going to start out by, I'm going to ask you about cardio. Why? First of all, why? Why are we talking about heart disease and kidney disease on the same show? It's a really good question, uh, David. Uh, I think it is very common, uh, commonly known that coronary heart disease uh, is a leading cause of uh, of death in the United States. So for for uh, adults more than 35 years of age, it continues to be a leading cause of of, of death. And um, and uh, it is very likely that for folks who are older than 35 years of age, at some point in their lifetime, they'll have some kind of a manifestation of coronary heart disease. We've made a lot of progress over the years with preventative measures, but it continues to be the leading cause of death. We also know that kidney disease or chronic kidney disease, as we should be specific about, um, has is pretty common as well. Um, it is not that well known that there is a very intricate connection between the heart and the kidneys. And uh, it is probably not as well recognized that individuals who have kidney disease are more uh, have a higher risk of developing coronary heart disease. And that is an important connection. Um, it is a, a fascinating connection, but it is really important from the standpoint of, of patients uh, and, and they need to be aware of this connection. So you talked about people with kidney disease. What, how do I know if I have that? What do you mean by chronic kidney disease? Is this dialysis or is this, I, I'm, I can't urinate? What do you mean by it? Chronic kidney disease is, is on a spectrum. Um, and I think we should, uh, first of all, differentiate it from acute kidney injury. So um, sometimes um, there are acute things that happen in the form of infection or trauma or other factors that lead to the kidneys being, you know, upset for a short duration of time, and, and then the kidneys tend to recover. And, and that is an episodic uh, phenomenon, and we are not talking about that part of, the, uh, of, uh, of kidney disease. But chronic kidney disease is a continuum. Dialysis, as you mentioned, uh, David, is at the far end of the spectrum where um, uh, it's actually um, it's only about 500,000 uh, individuals in the United States who are on dialysis. But there are a lot, men, lot more individuals who have chronic kidney disease. And, um, and in the latest estimates, probably close to 15 to 20 million people in the United States who have chronic kidney disease. Wow. So, so these are people whose kidneys still work to some degree. Dialysis is when your kidneys no longer function, correct? That's exactly right. 
So there might be 15 million people with what you're talking about. Exactly. So um, people who have some manifestation of kidney disease, but they are not to the point where they need to have artificial uh, renal replacement or uh, dialysis. Um, and so the chronic kidney disease population, we think about this as, a, as an iceberg. The dialysis population is just the tip of the iceberg. There's a, there are several other, uh, you know, very large number of individuals who are affected by chronic kidney disease. So is, you said that people with chronic kidney disease are more likely to get cardiovascular disease. Is that because the same thing causes kidney disease as causes heart disease, or is it the kidney disease itself that is leading to more cardiovascular disease or the other way around, or help us out with that? Yeah, Why? That's a really good question, uh, David. And if you, uh, if you were able to identify the exact reason why the connection exists, you'd be even more famous than you are today. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, as you can imagine, there are a combination of factors that play a role. You're absolutely right. The, the factors that lead to heart disease and the factors that lead to kidney disease, maybe there may be a commonality there and, and that there could be a concentration of factors, uh, of these factors. For example, diabetes, uh, that could be more, that could be common in both um, populations. So that's really one piece of it. But there are, there's also very interesting data about uh, the fact that the evil humors, if you will, that, um, that tend to develop in the body when the kidneys are not working, may have a direct adverse effect on the heart. Um, there could be some um, changes in the metabolism of how the body handles the calcium and the phosphorus levels, and those uh, factors could also affect the heart. Um, there are the hearts in individuals who have kidney disease tend to be tend to get thicker over time, and that can perpetuate heart disease as well. So there are. There are several different factors that are interacting um, to uh, to make this uh, uh, connection. So, if someone is um, who has, and I'm going to a little bit later ask you, how do I know if I have kidney disease? But let's say I am somebody who's who uh, who has chronic kidney disease, and and I'm worried about about my heart. Are there things that we should be telling um, people with kidney disease, or I suppose even without, to reduce your risk of getting? Mm-hmm. Heart disease, and specifically people with kidney disease, should they be doing anything differently, or what? What? What do you recommend to them? I think the uh, the common notion uh, with kidney disease is the when when I ask my patients uh, who have kidney disease what they are most afraid of, they are most afraid of of whether they might end up on dialysis, mm-hmm. and that's something that is a, a real fear amongst several individuals. The 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 important thing to recognize is that the likelihood of having heart disease along the way is far greater than the likelihood of ending up on dialysis. And so along this journey of chronic kidney disease, the likelihood of developing heart problems is way higher compared to the, the likelihood of uh, developing dialysis. And the, the important thing, too, being that we have preventative measures that we could use if we recognize that a particular individual is at risk of developing future heart disease, there are therapies that are available that can help to mitigate or reduce the risk of having future heart disease. But we can't get to that point until we recognize that a particular individual 
is at risk of having heart disease. So the recognition piece is really key. That's the first step is recognizing that risk factor. So we're going to talk about that after the break. We're talking to Dr. Gautam Shroff, cardiovascular, <clears throat> excuse me, a cardiovascular specialist. He is indeed a cardiologist. We're talking about your heart and your kidneys and, and uh, how they relate to each other. After the break, we'll talk a little bit more about his recommendations for uh, protecting your heart. Absolutely. We'll uh, take this break. Be right back. Uh, a reminder to our listeners, uh, snow is going to happen today. In fact, a few days this week. Uh, later on today, we could get three to five inches for the Twin Cities today. Uh, Monday night, we could get another three to seven inches. And Tuesday, another one to three inches. So you stay tuned to CCO. We'll take this break here on Healthy Matters. Light snow, fog, and misreported. Our CCO temperature reading 10 above. 10 above zero here in the Twin Cities, light snow, fog, and mist. And uh, here again is Dr. David Hilton. Thank you, Danny. We're talking about cardiovascular disease and even more specifically um, how your heart and kidneys work together. To help us out with that, we have Dr. Gautam Shroff. He is the director of the Division of Cardiology and the uh, director of our cardiovascular service line at, um, at uh, Hennepin uh, Healthcare. Gautam has been telling us about uh, the intersection between kidneys and your hearts. And I was going to ask you now, um, but before I do, I want to give people the phone number to how you get in touch with us at Hennepin. That happens often that uh, we get calls, hey, how do I get into that guy or how do I get into any of the colleagues? We have clinics all over the western metro area. We have cardiologists um, uh, at a variety of locations, including our spiffy new clinic and specialty center in downtown Minneapolis. The number is 612-873-6963. You can always go to hennepinhealthcare.org. That's the hospital's website. Um, but the phone number, again, is 612-873-MYMD. If you're somebody who likes those remembrance tools, 612-873-MYMD. Okay, Dr. Schroff, how can people, particularly people with kidney disease, but maybe all of us, what are some of the strategies for reducing your risk of getting cardiovascular disease? Um, and David, again, I think uh, I'd emphasize that the recognition piece is really key. Um, so uh, I'll, if uh, just stepping back um, a little bit, um, sometimes the question that comes through is, how do I know that I have kidney disease? Yeah, that's, a, that's an even better question. How do you know? Right. Because it tends to be relatively silent sometimes. And, and there are two main ways uh, in, in which, uh, by which we could recognize the presence of kidney disease. One is through a simple blood test um, called uh, the creatinine value. Uh, and that is, um, that is easy to do. The other is actually uh, the presence of protein in the urine, which is, if you think about it, maybe um, a manifestation of some damage to the kidneys along the way. And both these factors, the blood test as well as the um, protein in the urine, are markers of whether there might be underlying kidney disease. And and to your point, uh, David, and to your question, each of these metrics of measurement of kidney disease have been shown to actually increase the risk of having downstream heart disease. So if you have uh, an individual who has a lot of protein in their urine, they are more likely to have heart disease. If the creatinine value goes up over time, there is a higher likelihood of having heart disease. So the recognition piece is, is really critical uh, in that phase. Uh, how, do, how do I know are those tests that are, how do I know I have, I have protein in my urine? Do I, do I stand there and look at it when I'm, you know, when I, when I'm urinating and say, well, there it is? Or maybe, 
Uh, how does one know? We're not quite that advanced <laughs> to, to identify <laughs> protein in the huh? urine. Uh, and so I think that would be, um, you know, when you're talking with your primary care doctor uh, and you have certain conditions that could predispose to kidney disease, particularly diabetes, high blood pressure, um, uh, checking the urine protein is a routine part of the uh, of the evaluation, and that would give us some uh, hint about whether there is likelihood of developing, you know, of, of the presence of kidney disease and uh, progression, uh, the likelihood of identifying individuals who could potentially also have heart disease down the road. There was a term called microalbuminuria mm-hmm. that used to be um, used previously, which is just m- microscopic uh, protein uh, uh, present in the urine, certainly not visible to the naked eye. And uh, But even a little amount of protein in the urine is a marker of of future heart problems, and so it's worth um, um, paying special attention to. Especially if you have diabetes, especially if you have longstanding high blood pressure, right? Exactly correct. Um, and and then to your point, um, David, about what can be done to retard the progression of heart disease when there is recognition that a particular individual who's sitting in front of me in my office is at risk of developing future heart problems we tend to be more aggressive with regards to controlling their uh, risk factors, um, and and uh, there have been there have been trials that have been done in individuals who are at the early stages of chronic kidney disease, where it has been shown, for example, that reducing the cholesterol has a significant downstream effect in terms of benefit from uh, development of future heart problems. So, the the essence would be more aggressive control of the risk factors and whether it is cholesterol, diabetes, high blood pressure, but just uh, a more focused attention to that, not only for helping out with the kidney disease uh, piece of it, but also keeping in mind that it would potentially reduce the risk of having future heart problems. So I think um, we have a a caller on the line with a question, something that I think is about your cholesterol and lipids. So maybe we could take his call. All right. Mike, I think, is uh, calling from Grand Portage. Mike, uh, thanks for waiting. What's your question? My question is um, for um, is uh, fish oil good for the heart? And also I want the doctor to cover what else it can do for us and if there are certain kind of Fish oil that's better. E, uh, there is a what, what, what's EPA and D, DHA. I don't. Everyone cover that for us, doctor. Right. So, so as one of the risk factors for heart disease, many people take fish oil. What do you think about Mike's question? It is a really good question, and um, it has been um, investigated uh, quite thoroughly in the literature along the way. Um, in fact, there was a recent study that showed that a certain type of fish oil, and I would uh, encourage the caller to specifically speak about that with their providers, a certain kind of fish oil at a higher dose has been shown to have some benefits with regards to uh, progression in heart disease. Um, The lower dose of fish oil that we usually uh, tend to um, buy over the counter um, has not been shown to have any uh, benefit in these rigorous trials that have been done before, but they certainly have an effect on the triglycerides and and they have an, uh, a positive impact on the cholesterol level. Yeah, so we're talking, let's stay on that topic of cholesterol. And I was wondering if you were going to say that because, you know, fish oil seems to make sense. 
omega-3s, all good. You know, that seems to be a good thing. And it does seem to help some of the numbers, but numbers are just numbers on a blood test. And so there was it was a little bit less than um, exciting what some of the long-term outcomes were with fish oil. But I wonder if it's because just this low-dose stuff that people buy at the stores isn't high-dose enough, if it's not the right kind. It didn't have the robust mortality benefit that we had hoped. I think the the real emphasis is on uh, reducing the... LDL cholesterol and uh, what I tend to refer to as the lousy cholesterol. Lousy for um, the L. That yeah. LZ, uh, lousy for the L uh, uh, as compared to uh, happy for the HDL. And, and it's really important. And, uh, and again, uh, coming back to our topic, um, amongst uh, individuals who have chronic kidney disease, it, if they are on dialysis, it has not really been shown that reducing their cholesterol or giving them a statin medication is beneficial to prevent future heart disease. But for people who are relatively early in their recognition of chronic kidney disease, there has been benefit shown from cholesterol reduction and being on a statin. So that's one one strategy that is certainly of proven to be of benefit. We can talk more about that after the break. We're going to run out of time, I believe. Tim. We have, yes, but we have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Uh, our phone number is 651-989-9226. Our text number is 81807. More snow on the way for the Twin Cities and parts of CCULand today. Here in the Twin Cities, maybe three to five inches of new snow. Maybe Monday night, another three to seven possible. Right now, light snow, fog, and mist. Our current CCO temperature reading 10 degrees. By the way, that's above zero. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this edition of Healthy Matters on this uh, Sunday morning. Dr. David Hilden is your host. And in case you joined us a little bit late, uh, tell, tell us uh, who you brought with you today. Thank you, Danny. I have Dr. Gautam Schroff. Dr. Gautam Schroff, he is a, a, the director of our cardiovascular service line. He is a cardiologist at Hennepin Healthcare. And we're talking about cardiovascular disease and the connection with your kidneys and kidney disease. And we have a lot of ground to cover. We have a lot of calls and texts and other things to do. So I'm just going to briefly say thanks for being here, Gautam, and welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, David. Thank you. This is Dr. Schroff's fourth time on the show over the last decade, so he's a regular um, uh, recurrent guest. Let's talk a little bit before I go to the phones and the texters a, a little bit more about the complexities of caring for people with um, kidney disease and heart disease. One of the things I think people tell me all the time is that is that the medications that we might use or the treatments that we might prescribe for people with their heart disease have effects on their kidneys. The doses are different, and everything is, seems to be um, changed a little bit by the fact that your kidneys also don't work well. Could you comment on that? You're absolutely correct, uh, David. There is um, the... the 
the management of, uh, of an individual who may have advanced heart disease and advanced kidney disease is significantly more complex. And, and that's because of a variety of reasons. Uh, there are some medications that can affect uh, kidney function, but most often it is a question of making sure that the medications that we are using or anything that we are using, including procedures, um, uh, we recognize the fact that the kidneys also are an important stakeholder uh, in, in, uh, f- for, for the overall health care of the patient. And it's really important to balance um, getting the medication, the treatment regimen right to ensure that both the, the heart and the kidneys are, are happy in the process. And sometimes it's a really difficult balance to achieve because there are certain things that, um, that we could do. Uh, for example, procedural things such as a coronary angiogram, which involves the use of contrast or dye, we need to be uh, cognizant of the fact that that could have an effect on kidney function and account for it accordingly. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. There's several text messages about a variety of uh, preventive cardiology things, for lack of a better word, things to try to reduce your risk of heart disease. The, the first one that comes through is about aspirin. So I just want to talk about that. Uh, hi, doctor. Your thoughts on an aspirin a day for heart and kidney health? Um, I think uh, one thing that we should um, ensure that the the uh, uh, that we are uh, clear about is that not all kidney disease is created equal. There there is a spectrum of kidney disease, and sometimes it's an isolated uh, kidney involvement for various conditions. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there is diabetic kidney disease or kidney disease that occurs in the context of hypertension. So I just wanted to make sure that it is emphasized that not all kidney disease is created equal. Coming back to aspirin, aspirin um, has also been studied uh, very heavily in the literature, but I think most cardiologists would agree that when there is concern for uh, excessive protein in the urine or uh, an individual who is at risk of, um, of uh, development of future uh, cardiovascular disease, an aspirin a day is mostly beneficial. Uh, what we need to uh, do in, in real life uh, and do this all the time is try to balance the risks and benefits. Everything that we can do can potentially have risks, and the risk of bleeding versus the risk of having a heart complication have to be balanced uh, very carefully, and this becomes particularly complex and challenging in individuals who have chronic kidney disease because they are at a higher risk of having the heart complications, but they are also at a higher risk of having bleeding complications. Um, We're going to go to the phone lines in just a second. Um, So, Pat, stay on the line. You will be next. But I want to ask you one more question again about sort of kind of risk reduction. And this is about cholesterol and statins. It came from – I'll just read it from the the text line. Regarding statins, is it true that they are (laughs) overprescribed? And what are the negatives of statins? So maybe you could talk a little bit about that in a larger context of uh, reducing heart disease risk. Yeah, it's it's a really important topic, um, uh, David, and uh, and it has, uh, as you know, been debated heavily in the literature. I'll I'll uh, defer to the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology stance with regards to determining who is at risk, uh, at adequate risk to justify uh, a medication that would actually help prevent future downstream risk. And we think about individuals in two broad categories. Individuals who've already had established heart disease, they've already had a heart attack or a stroke or, or some kind of a cardiovascular event, 
in these individuals, it is absolutely very clear-cut that using um, a statin um, in the appropriate dose helps to reduce future risk because this, these, this group of individuals is at a higher risk of developing downstream heart disease. The other category is a little bit more uh, controversial, and, and these are individuals who have the risk factors for developing heart disease, but they, don't, they have not already had established heart disease. And, and that is in the realm of what we refer to as primary prevention. And, and for this, the societies have developed a calculator to determine the thresholds at which studies have shown in the past that introduction of a statin would actually help to reduce downstream risk. Now, relative to our current uh, conversation, it's really important to, to identify that chronic kidney disease is not one of those factors that shows up on the calculator. And, and this is why... It doesn't even ask you. It doesn't even ask you. And this is why it is really important for clinicians in general, patients in particular, to be aware that this is one of those factors that could be on, in the blind spot and, and that these are individuals who are, uh, who are not recognized as a specific entity as being at a higher risk of downstream problems. Everyone seems to know that, for example, diabetes predisposes to future heart disease, and that seems to be common knowledge, but not as commonly known that kidney disease could also be a marker of future heart disease. All right, 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. Text number is 81807. Let's go to the phones. Pat in uh, Minneapolis. Pat, what is your question, please? Two quick questions. What does he, his opinion of pears, the fruit, being beneficial to the kidneys? And second question, besides exercise, aspirin, um, uh, garlic, lecithin, vitamin K, to help keep the arteries from clogging, and since you brought it up, I am I, going to come hard at you about the statins. I'm one of the anti-statin people. In fact, I was very upset to hear that our president is on Crestor. So that's it. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for your questions, Pat. You might, um, So uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to cover all of that stuff, um, but I, I do thank you for your call. The first question, I don't have – I'm going to look at Dr. Schroff about with certain dietary elements. I don't know about fruits like pears. What do you know about that? I think the question was uh, with relation to fruits and kidney disease, and, and, and you know, I, I think that uh, – I, I would want to emphasize I'm not a nephrologist. I think that would be important to – uh, ensure that uh, that uh, our caller has a chance to talk to their kidney doctor about it. There are certain um, elements uh, with regards to fruits that can raise your potassium levels, and and those fruits are best avoided in the context of chronic kidney disease, um, and and certainly uh, some dietary restrictions that need to be kept in mind um, in the context of kidney disease. Thank you for that. Um, I think uh, we won't talk much more about statins, but there is a great deal of medical um, literature and research that I think we that both Dr. Schroff and I would, would might disagree with you, Pat, on that. Um, and um, I think this is, this is an important topic. It is a controversial topic, and, uh, and I think that there are well-meaning individuals on either side of the debate. Um, I would, again, uh, speak to the societal recommendations and um, an increasing body of evidence with regards to not just limited to statins, but looking at the individual as a whole. Every individual is different. What works for every individual 
is different, uh, and uh, we we can't uh, lump all individuals into one category. But having said that, um, there are large bodies of evidence um, that um, lean towards uh, at least the fact that we need to be more aggressive about preventative measures in high-risk populations. Okay. Thank you for that, um, and thank you for your call, Pat. Let's uh, take a break, a quick one, uh, inviting our listeners to call in if you have a question or uh, send a text. Phone number is 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. Light snow, fog, and mist, 11 is the new Twin City temperature reading. Uh, later on today, we could get 3 to 5 inches and maybe more later in the next day or two. 3 to 5 later on today. 11 above here on CCO. And good morning. Welcome back to Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning. Uh, 651-989-9226 is our phone number. Text is 81807. As you can see, uh, Dr. Hilden, we have a couple of both. We have uh, quite a few. Um, I I think we're going to move on to a new topic related to your heart and your kidneys, um, that being atrial fibrillation. I just, there are more than I can count um, text messages and phone calls about statins and about cholesterol and about fish oil and about preventive cardiology. These are all really good questions. Every single one of you um, and our last caller brought up a good, really good point as well. So it's a much larger question that we're going to probably have to tackle at a different show. Um, so your questions about cholesterol and statins and fish oil, I can't answer any of those many more specifically today. But I do want to talk about an important topic, and that being atrial fibrillation. We've been talking about heart disease quite a bit on this show. I want to talk about the connection between atrial fibrillation and kidneys because as many of you know, atrial fibrillation is an irregular heartbeat where your upper chambers of your heart aren't beating in a coordinated fashion, and it's very common. Many of us have to be on blood thinners, or our blood thinners are recommended for people with atrial fibrillation to reduce your risk of having a stroke. So that's sort of the background. But it matters if you're on kidney disease, if you have kidney disease, what you would do about that. So can you, Dr. Schroff, tell us a little bit more about atrial fibrillation, blood thinners, kidney disease, that whole topic. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, Gautam? Yeah. Uh, thank you, David. This is another very uh, important and very timely topic. Um, atrial fibrillation um, is a, a kind of heart disease, and, and it is um, really common in individuals who have chronic kidney disease. In fact, uh, folks who have chronic kidney disease are several fold, have a several-fold higher risk of having atrial fibrillation. Um, and the management uh, in this situation, again, needs to be individualized for that particular um, individual, but it becomes more complex because chronic kidney disease increases the risk of having clotting complications, the things that we usually worry about with atrial fibrillation, like the risk of having a stroke, but it also increases the risk of having bleeding complications uh, with the blood thinner. And so, as you can imagine, this requires a very um, detailed analysis of the risk of bleeding and the risk of clotting to make sure that we get it right for every individual patient. And what has happened uh, in the recent, uh, uh, in the past several years, is that there have been several new agents that have um, uh, that have now become available for the uh, as blood thinners in the management of atrial fibrillation. Now, the important thing with these blood thinners, and it's really important to ensure that um, our audience is really fully aware of this, is that they don't affect the kidneys directly, but the levels, the drug levels uh, that circulate in any patient's body 
are affected by how well their kidneys are doing. So their doses have to be adjusted for their degree of kidney disease, and therefore their doses, it is not just one dose that works for for everybody. The dose has to be very carefully adjusted, and this becomes extremely relevant in a couple of situations in particular, one of them being when the medication has to be held for a procedure like a colonoscopy or, or uh, you know, a dental extraction or, uh, or other kinds of procedures, the how long you hold the medication for and when you restart it uh, depends on how well the kidneys are doing. And number two, kidney disease can tend to progress over time, and therefore uh, individuals who are on blood thinners need to be aware that their dose might need to be adjusted over time to make sure that they're not being exposed to higher levels of medication than they need. So we're talking about medications, and on the show I make a very strong point not to um, talk about specific brand names that I recommend, but the ones we're talking about, the medications we're talking about, are ones that you've maybe seen advertised. There are things like Eloquis and Xarelto and um, uh, Pradaxa. Those are the main three. There's there's more coming down. What's the other? Is there another one? There's one called Edoxaban okay. to Cymosome. Okay, so there's those are the ones that we're talking about, really effective medications for reducing your chances of having a stroke. Not eliminating, but reducing your chances. But they the doses might have to be adjusted if you have kidney disease. You're absolutely right. And these are, uh, in a broad category, um, fall, uh, they're referred to as the direct oral anticoagulants, which are... Um, which are new, which are relatively new relative, uh, you know, they've only been um, uh, in the market for uh, for s- several years now, but they are an important change uh, relative to Coumadin. For yeah, years, to, everybody was on Coumadin or Warfarin. We've been on that for decades. Exactly. For decades, Coumadin was the only option. And in that case, um, the blood levels had to be checked on a regular basis to make sure that they were in a, in a reasonable range. But um, it did not matter, it, you know, individuals with chronic kidney disease or individuals on dialysis had the same blood test checked as anybody else. With with these newer agents, the importance of kidney function has come in the limelight or the spotlight even further uh, for factors that we talked about. Let's go back to the phones before we run out of time. Dan is calling from uh, Anoka. Dan, go ahead with your question, please. Hi. Yeah, I... Uh would like to know why doctors don't recommend a plant-based diet uh, for reversing heart disease. Uh, my personal experience is I've been on a plant-based diet for about 10 years after having a heart attack, and my heart disease is uh, pretty much gone. So uh, can you talk a little bit about a uh, plant-based diet and how that might uh, help people with heart disease? Dan, thank you for your call. Uh, let me um, be one of doctors who does recommend it. <laughs> uh, I think you can. Uh, um, I I do believe um, a plant based diet is um, actually something doctors should recommend more. What do you want to say about that, Gautam? <laughs> no, I agree with you. Uh, I think that uh, I make the point that um, every not all individuals are created equal, and and there are definitely uh, individuals who who respond to various different strategies, including uh, plant-based options. So uh, I do not disagree with that. I think that um, the the evidence with regards to um, how best to reduce the risk of uh, future heart problems in, in individuals who have established heart disease um, 
at least in the medical field, is is limited to statins. But I would love to see more creative uh, study designs in the future where we incorporate other innovative strategies and study them deliberately um, because I, I agree with you. There, there's potential for uh, those studies to be really enriching in the future. There's a lot of good things to, uh, to recommend a plant-based diet. It might not be for everybody, but I have said long on this show, eat lower on the food chain. Eat lower on the food chain. I think that that is a really good thing, not only for your health, but for the planet as well. Um, uh, so, Dan, thank you for your call. There was another texter that said, if your cardiologist isn't a vegan, get a new cardiologist. That, is, uh, that came on during this show. Um, I don't know. I w- we'll just leave it at that. We are running out of time. I want to say thank you to Dr. Gautam Shroff. We're going to have another show on preventive cardiology where we'll tackle your cholesterol questions in that. And thank you so much for being on the show today. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been great to have you on the show. If you, uh, I do encourage you to go to myhealthymatters.org. If you want one of those cardiovascular risk factors, search for my site for on myhealthymatters.org. Search for calculator and you'll find it. Excellent. Uh, next week, an open line show. Indeed. Your general health questions for the doctor next week, so uh, join us uh, then. Right now, light snow, fog, and mist in the Twin Cities. It's uh, currently 11 degrees above zero.